So what's new with you, Palmer? What's new with me? Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. I it's just been a long day. I I'm not gonna lie. I, no, I'm, I'm really job. tired today. Like weird. Dude, that, just, like, I took tired. a nap just before we jumped on, and it's like eight o'clock at night. I'm basically asleep. <laughs> I uh, I drove to Cumberland, Maryland. Uh, no, I drove to West Virginia today, which is like an hour and twenty minutes away. Then I drove from there to Cumberland, which is like another hour and 20 minutes away. Then I had to drive back, which is like two hours and like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I was just super tired off of that. Although I will say, on a positive note, I've been working on, this is so nerdy, but I've been working on this particular card skill. Ooh. It's called the simple switch. It's like, a, I can't do it now because it's like, you wouldn't really be able to see it. Mm-hmm. But it's just a matter of flicking a card from one hand to another, which sounds super basic, but is actually quite difficult. And oh, I, I just know been... that's probably very hard. It's usually the simple oh, things yeah. that are difficult. See, I'm glad you re- see that's that's why I need you, bud. So that's what I've been working on, and it's it's coming together, and that's been like the highlight of my week. And like I said, super nerdy, but we are in this. We are in this. Yeah. That's like exactly like uh, programming. Simple things, the things that sound like simple to do. Quite yes, hard, actually. Yes, sir. Again, <laughs> I wish I could give an example, um, but yeah, usually it's not not easy stuff. So, yep. So I was like, dude, how is this taking so long? And then you'll practice it for so long, and you'll you'll feel like you kind of have it or you have it down, and then you start messing up again, and you're like, I thought I got past this, but it's okay. Like it's division uh, for a program, like obviously. Me as a much more using a higher level language doesn't have to do like do like the division, but um, for like math, like the division on a computer for like very, very base like CPU kind of like machine code is extremely hard to do. Um, Wait, you're be- talking about simple division, like simple division divided by two? Oh, yeah, geez. it is extremely hard to do from a like uh, machine coding. Um, perspective because typical division is like really really slow process and that still is dividing is a very slow process but like the way that they do it because it's not like you could just tell the computer four divided by two is two right you can't just say that you have to like literally do like this massive algorithm that just like using basic kind of um operations to do division (laughs) So. Oh jeez, dude! Oh wait, please tell me, please tell me, you don't have to input every single value of like divisions. So you have to go like you know four divided by two equals two. Six no, 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 they don't. Two. Do they have like okay. a universal thing that they do? Um, which is not like, but like from what I understand, it is very complicated. Oh, so my. like, um, well above my pay grade. So uh, can't can't solve jeez. that one. Yeah, but like programming, like there's, I'm not doing division. I'm not doing machine code. I would die (laughs) if I did that. (laughs) I've I've looked at machine code. It looks like gibberish. (laughs) Which is saying you saying that is saying something because I feel like your level of understanding is much greater than at least mine for sure, but anybody else's. So if it's gibberish to you, that means that it's. It's like because it's in like hex decimals and stuff like that. I don't know what hex are, but if we didn't and someone walked in (laughs) who didn't, how do we describe it to them? So, I mean, it's in like binary, but we decipher it as like hex, which is like a um, it's like a 
how do I, how do I describe it? It's a number system. <laughs> okay. Okay. And like, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's a number man. system. Um, it, but it's like, it's like a base value 16. So like, you know how we count in like base 10 hexadecimal will count in like base 16. So that like 10 would be like 16 in hexadecimal, not necessarily one to one equivalent, but it's like F is 16 in hexadecimal. So, <laughs> Very fitting. or not necessarily, not like it's like, I think it's actually FF if I remember correctly. Uh, <laughs> double F. <laughs> yeah, double F. No, no, wait. Am I wrong or is it? No, it's zero F is uh, 15, but then 10 is 16. So... <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, dude. No, no. I'll, um, I'll tell you what. I give zero F because <laughs> this is hard. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. I mean, like, but counting, like, it takes, it's like weird to, I remember having to do that, like, on our, our first NYU exam of, like, <laughs> of uh, having to count in binary and hexadecimal. And like converting those numbers from binary to hexadecimal and back and forth back between like base ten, base four, base whatever, um, kind of like messes with your brain a little bit when you're like trying to think of like <laughs> what exactly is seventy five in hexadecimal. Oh, <laughs> They're trying to weed out the weak early, is what I'm understanding. Okay. Turns Jeez. out it's like such a weird conversion that like my brain hurt every time I was doing it. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I couldn't. I couldn't do it off the top of my head right now. But um, what 75 is supposed to be? I think 75 would be like 3f. No, sorry, five. No, no, it would, it would be. I don't know, like 4a, 4b, something around there. If I had to guess. Um, we just brought in letters that we were not using before. Because hex goes like zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then it's A, and then it's B, C, D, E, F, and then 10. And then you're back to 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 1 A, 1 B, 1 C, 1 D. And, and this is. This is see when we start adding in symbols and letters, and <laughs> Greek letters. That's when I that's that's it. That's it. That's when I have to cut it. Um, I do not thrive in that environment. Yeah, so that's that. Um, and I'm pretty sure machine code is like obviously written in binary. Everything is in the computers like binary, but I think that they use um, hexadecimal to help them uh, represent like larger numbers with fewer digits so like it's uh, stuff like that <laughs> i don't know why that just killed me but it's yeah, something like that something oh, like that yeah, I, yeah. I i don't you know i learned a lot of low, low level process stuff but like machine code I didn't really learn that much about jeez bro <laughs> See, that's why we need people like you out here fighting, fighting in these streets, man, doing the darn thing. Because <laughs> if it was up to me, we'd be living in the Stone Ages right now. <laughs> Thank you uh, for not saying, oh, dude, you're totally wrong. You have no, you, you no, no, you, you can you would be able to survive. Don't worry. I don't think I could mm. survive. I don't think if you brought me to the Stone Ages, I could tell you how, a, how to make oh. a CPU or a computer. Dude, I was thinking the other day, maybe I've said this before, like, 
I couldn't even make a light bulb. I know how, like, I know what a light bulb is. I know there's a filament, and I know there's the little bulb part and the little metal screwy thing. But mm-hmm. if you told me to recreate one, I'd be like, sorry, <laughs> we're out of luck. <laughs> we're gonna live in the darkness from here on. I know, like, like CPUs have like transitors on them, um, and that they're so small that they're so small that they're basically the size of like atoms now. What? Yeah. Have you ever heard of more? That's not something man-made. Yeah, it is. It's like have you ever heard of like Moore's Law? Which I have heard of that. Uh, yeah. So like, basically, yeah, the number of transistors that can fit on a CPU like basically allows the the you know the how much power, um, uh, processing power that CPUs have, and like, uh, they've been they've been basically doubling in that processing power every couple of years for the last fifty years, but now it's kind of approaching the atomic level. And like the size oh. of the transitors, so you know you can only fit make them so much smaller. So that's why people like the CEO of Nvidia is like saying Moore's law is essentially dead. Um, so what will we do next? Probably, I don't know. I'm not a computer engineer, but yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> oh, well, that was kind of a dark note. Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, that just means like you know breakthroughs and like these companies are still pouring so much money and trying to do like bleeding edge technology to make like faster like cpus and i still think that next gen cpus will probably be better but like the marginal increase in like performance is not going to be these massive leaps that we've been seeing in previous like years like from 1970 to now like that is like leaps that you would just look at and go how yeah yeah (laughs) But like I think the leaps of the last five years haven't been as crazy. Um, I mean, I from like from a CPU standpoint, I think GPUs maybe are a little bit more interesting. But we don't need I to mean, get bogged down in computer hardware. We've we've improved our, our cameras in the last five years. That's that's just well, what we yeah. focus on. Because <laughs> Apple doesn't know what to do. I mean, they basically have their product, but they don't. They need to sell more iPhones, I guess. Um, and there's a problem there because Apple doesn't um, their their iPhone sales are are down. Like you know, like they're not selling as many iPhones. That's why they're leaning into all these different uh, like products. Like you know, they're trying they're trying to create like a well, Apple is like a luxury lifestyle brand, like tech brand. Um, and you know, that's why they have like things like the Apple Watch. Uh, you know, they have their line of MacBooks, like laptops. Like, you don't really see them shelling out desktops these days. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you heard anything about, like, a new desktop? They sell software. You know, they're trying to Apple be... TV. Yeah, Apple TV. Um, they have their new VR headset thing, which... Oh, that's right. You know, for that price point, I and it basically seemed like a glorified uh, computer I don't really know what the point of it is uh, yet because it was just like you're putting on a headset and all it really had was screens. Like I can, I can totally understand like, oh, it seems really intuitive. Like I, I thought it and I did it kind of thing from mm-hmm. from like early like hands-on impressions. But I don't know. Their demo wasn't very good. Like the VR headset, I think the technology of it being like an office 
thing you use is just not what you want to market it as. There was like so enterprise focused of like, you can have everyone in your office wearing these ridiculous goggles. Yeah, I'm like the better the better aspect the better like thing you like. VR is still like just enthusiast thing. It's like a it's not a mainstream hobby, and especially at that price point at thirty five hundred dollars, like you need to bring more to what enthusiasts want which for a lot of them is gaming it's like uh it's mostly gaming yeah. i think yeah um, truly and and um be like an augmented reality kind of thing like google glass is trying to do that would be tough google glass failed that was a failed project no i don't want to talk about it i'm still very hurt <laughs> i'm still very hurt I was looking forward to it, and apparently nobody else was. So I mean, why? like, I think that's the inevitable conclusion to VR, and somehow uh, Google um, couldn't get it right or something. I don't know. It didn't take off, but like now that these like giant VR helmets are a thing, but like people want Google Glass to be what the VR helmets are, but with the processing power, the size of like that could fit in glasses somehow. Yep. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's the best way to say that. <laughs> but I don't know. That's like, I don't know. That's like not possible yet. Clearly, if someone would have done it by now, if it was <laughs> to the person who figures it out, there is a store of riches waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, VR isn't like, like huge yet, though. So like, you'd have to pour so much money into that technology, which people some for some reason are because I think there's like a a a a want or a need for it, but. Dude, maybe we, yeah, we should we should chat. Everybody make a mental note. We're gonna chat about that later on. VR. <laughs> what's the uh, what's going on there? I thought we did but, like an episode on it once. No, like the metaverse. We kind of got into it. Oh yeah, we, 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 we revisited. We revisited. That. We come yeah, back. In day and age. It's been a couple years. I finished but, Death Zen no, though. <laughs> You said you finished, what was that? I finished the Three Body Problems series. I knew that's what you were talking about, dude. Oh, man. Okay, how was it? How was the... Uh, uh, it was good. I, it was good. Um, the final book, I think, is has a really good, like, first 60%. Uh, the last, mm. like, 40% of the book, I feel like it kind of loses a little bit of its direction. Um and I wasn't really sure kind of where it was going. There was just, there was definitely like moment, like, but then it like hits this point where you're like, oh, wow, I really just want to keep reading because it's really interesting. Um, but then like after that point, the last like 30, 40 pages, especially, I was just like, what has happened? Like, what are, what's going on here? Like, what, <laughs> this is where we, we had, we ended up. Um, so I was like, I was mixed on the ending, I guess. Um, okay. I think the journey was a lot, lot more exciting, and like happens sometimes. Um, yeah. and the ending was definitely interesting. Um, but like I don't know. I think where it went, I kind of wish it went the other direction, and I don't want to like do any story story spoilers. But there was definitely things I wish it, it kind of explored more. Um rather than the way it went it kind of like went down very very like i i don't even know can i say theoretical of like from like a physics or standpoint uh i feel like i don't know it's hard to kind of explain without providing more context of what was going on uh, in the story right. um but i was kind of more interested in like 
another aspect of what the story was going and he just kind of like dropped that at one point and just focused on what became the ending and i was like it wasn't as interesting so um that's my only criticism i'm still excited for the series because i do think it's really good um uh for the netflix series but uh this overall i really enjoyed it it was like one of my more favorite science fiction uh novels um and it's good because it really like you know it's like it's really terrifying not from like a stephen king kind of horror um like book but like from an existential standpoint it's really terrifying uh like novel or like series so I think the Netflix show will hopefully be good. All right. You see, you've been hyping it up for a little while here. I will I will get around to reading it. I will get around to reading it. Yeah. I mean, I the first book is definitely like a really good read because it's like a mystery thriller. Oh, oh dang. Okay. We, I just chose my book, my book club book for the month, and I needed like a mystery kind of thriller. Mm-hmm. So I chose this one called Daisy Danger, but maybe I should have tr- tried that one instead. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> So there's always next month, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Always next month. Always next month. <laughs> oh man! And I guess with that said, shall we segue into our topic for today? Let's do it. Perfect, perfect. All right, people, you've been waiting on this. So hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined as always by Charlie Bud, and today. We're doing some movie ranking. <laughs> Knowing how much uh, Charlie Bud actually enjoys dystopian uh, movies, we figured that we're going to venture into this particular genre today and list out our five favorite movies. Uh, I imagine there will be a little bit of a crossover, and so we're issuing the spoiler alerts now to prevent listeners from hearing things they don't want to. Charlie, the ball is coming to you to start us off. No pressure. The people want to know what flick you have in your number five position. So without further ado... What you got? Okay, number five position. All right. Um, so I so was thinking about this a lot. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm going to have to go. I didn't really put these in a particular order, but so I'm Ooh. trying to like arrange them in my head real quick. Okay. But I'm just going to list. The, I'll fire the first one off Snowpiercer. <gasps> ah, okay. Delve into that one a little yeah, bit more. So. Um, I think, I just think the concept is just honestly really cool. Um, I really like the, uh, kind of like the apocalyptic nature of it, of like, you know, world kind of covered in ice, like we're like an ice age kind of thing. And that the last remnants of humanity is on like a train that just circles the globe kind of, uh, so, um, if you don't know what Snowpiercer is, that's basically the, the premise um, but I like a lot that the society on the train isn't like, um, necessarily very utopian. It's quite dystopian, which is why it is on this list. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, we're in a post-apocalyptic utopian society on a train and, you know, it all comes to, you know, but that's not necessarily the case. It's a, Snowpiercer is like much like a lot of Bong Joon Ho's films are. Um, is about class and like you know social inequality, but across you know certain like class systems. Um, and Snowpiercer is probably the most on the nose movie uh, with that theme of his. 
um, because there's like people who live in the back of the train versus the people who like live in the front of the train. It's clear discrepancies on like how their lives are, how wealthy they are, their social standing within the train, and like they're not really allowed to move up between the cars. And like the movie basically devolves into that. you know, they, these people are tired of, you know, having these terrible living conditions, having, you know, being very poor, and they kind of stage a rebellion against the uh, the larger, uh, or like the more wealthy and, you know, potentially, uh, yeah, you know, kind of the authority, the, the ruling class on the, on the train. So it gets uh, pretty... Pretty crazy. Dang. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it was going to be said anyway. This was my number five pick. Oh, really? Well, dude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Snap. Absolutely. So great minds think alike. I was going to ask, how did you first discover this movie? Did you watch it with someone? I did not watch it with anyone. Not that I can remember, at least. I honestly don't know okay. if I did watch this with someone or not. <laughs> Um, been a minute, huh? Yeah, it's really been a minute since I first watched it. Uh, how I heard of it, I heard of it through just like I've heard of it more than a couple of times. I don't remember where I first heard it from or who I first heard it from. Um, but I, I've had more than a few of my friends tell me that I should see Snowpiercer back in the day. So I just ended up watching it one day. I don't really remember when or where, but it has definitely been more than a few years. Um, this is actually the first time I watched a Bong Joon-ho film. So I was like, this is kind of my first exposure to his uh, filmography. So I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Yeah, um, yeah. I kind of was in the same. I actually, I feel like I just watched this for the for the first time either last year or the year before. So very recent. I'd seen it constantly recommended on, you know, Netflix is like, oh, here's some critically acclaimed films. And obviously the star is Chris Evans, mm-hmm. who plays Captain America as well. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I want to see him outside of the uh, red, white, and blue. So I, I checked it out as well. And I I hadn't realized that it was so class-driven, although that was I followed that. Uh, like, Parasite is my first kind of foray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got into Snowpiercer. So I, I by that point in time, I realized that was kind of the directorial direction that the movie was going to go in. But it actually had some pretty nuanced parts, specifically when thinking, and we've already issued spoiler alerts. This movie's been out for, what, I don't know, like 10 years? 10 years. years. I just looked it up. It's 2013. Jeez. Making me feel old. But no, so you (laughs) talked about the revolts that occurred in the tail of the train. I think they called it the tail. And um, what you come to find out later on as essentially Chris Evans and a small brigade of people work their way up to the the head of the train because they want to... I forget. Do they just want to, like, stop it? Do they want to, like, seize control? I think they want to... They want to... Uh, okay. Or were they just trying to get only, food for the... I think it's just because they were trying to not... They just, like, hated their living conditions. And so they wanted okay. to take control of the train in hopes to, um, like, Maybe change. Yeah, like, kind of change the way that the society is, like, structured on the train or something. Like, you know, kind okay. of be, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more 
social equality rather than like you know people being vastly you know having their own cars i think was a a, a thing in the in the movie how some people just own their yes. own car, like train cars yes. when they all lived in like one or two or three and there was like a hundred of them um, and they had to like their food was so rationed and they were like so few and far between when it comes to meals that they were they would cut off limbs mm-hmm. and they would eat like serve them to other people to eat so that yeah they were eating yeah it was live. like yep it was like they were cannibalism but people didn't even like know that only a few people did um yep yeah so. and so um one of the discoveries towards the end like literally almost at the end is that they make it to the the head of the train and they find the guy who I guess started who's played by Ed Harris. And what he says is that he and the guy who's in the back of the train, who was like kind of the head of the rebels, they were in constant communication. And there have been a series of rebellions that they'd coordinated in order to help thin out the numbers so that they didn't basically overpopulate the train. And that was super crazy. And I just loved uh, Chris Evans' performance because there was a moment when he's talking about his past. There was essentially a woman who had had a baby and they were so hungry. They didn't eat the baby, but um, I think that the leader it was like he sacrificed his arm so they could have a, like, a meal. Chris Evans is like, I know what people taste like. I, sh- like I, shouldn't, I shouldn't know that. And then he always was sad because when it came time for him to basically donate a limb, he'd been too cowardly to do it. But in the end, in order to stop the train, he sacrificed his arm and then it kind of blew up a little bit there. But I never got the ending. Maybe you can help kind of clarify this Ooh, one for me. A bit. <laughs> okay. okay. So essentially, they stop the train. It's like derailed. And yeah. Um, yes, yes, yes. There's like, um, well, some of the people who would kind of work their way up to the front of the train with them. A guy said there's a single spot that he always looked at. And essentially, it had been like a little green. And this is in like a tundra-like world where everything mm-hmm. is snow and ice. Covered in snow. And he said every year it looked like it was a little bit more green. And so essentially they were saying that the climate was changing. It was, become, it was going to become hospitable for life again. And so the, the train crashes. Presumably there was two survivors. And um, you see a polar bear just wandering around outside. I was like, does that mean that it is like life is able to? Yeah, be that's kind of what I thought that it like indicated like life can or does exist at least at, outside mm-hmm. uh, uh, the train because like from what I understand that it's like the another ice age or whatever. And, um, so maybe that was like supposed to be like a symbol of hope that you know they kind of escaped their prison and uh, could mm. potentially you know not necessarily rely on it. On the, the on needing the train and having to go back into you know a society that would might evolve into that and can you know start again out out in the world maybe maybe the earth is healing who's to say mm, okay see that's what I thought so I'm glad sometimes I need to look up the Wikipedia's to understand things I it was strong and I didn't do it this time so <laughs> well, my original thoughts seem to be the ones that were correct there. But no, great, great flick. So you haven't watched it since the first time you saw it? Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to watch it again now because I was like thinking about like dystopian movies and I was like, oh, Snowpiercer is a great movie. Should 100% watch that movie again because it's truly been like probably like seven years since I've seen it. Yeah, and they made a TV show out of it on... Apparently, I haven't seen it at all. USA? Me neither, me neither. But I think it's supposed to be... 
like the previous rebellions before kind of Chris Evans's time. So I'm like, okay, like yeah, franchise I, for you. I wonder who even is it? I guess it's no one from the original. Sean Bean, isn't it? Wow. Okay. Oh, really? And so is Jennifer Connelly, actually, now that I think about Jennifer it. Jennifer Connelly is in it. Yeah, oh. and so is the dude who plays, um, don't tell me, Thomas Jefferson in uh, the original cast of Hamilton. <sighs> um, Blanking on his name. Oh, David Diggs. Or is yeah, that, or is it, yeah, yeah. or is it, I don't, is it David? I think it's, I think it's David. I th- I'm like, I'm his name is spelled it. like David, though. <laughs> Maybe it's David. <laughs> <laughs> it's like D-A-V-E-E-D. Maybe it's David. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we all make mistakes. Now I'm like, is that even uh, Thomas Jefferson? In yeah, it is Thomas Jazz? Jefferson. He played all Thomas right, Jefferson. I know. I know my stuff. There we go. Yep, David Diggs. My dude. All right. Yeah, no. It's a snow period. Good flick. Good flick. And good way to start us out at position number five. Do you have any additional thoughts on that film? Um, no, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, I think that's a movie I really want to watch again. And um, it was interesting because it also briefly talks about like climate change and stuff. And like, I think, I think what happens in um, Snowpiercer, like the reason the world is like that, is because of. Uh, is like a geoengineering disaster, which is like things yep, that people are proposing um, to do to kind of like be like band aid solution basically to climate change because we're just too incapable of like doing any systemic change to shift away from fossil fuels in not just this yep. country but the world apparently. Uh, so, like, some people are just like proposing doing like uh, geoengineering and Snowpiercer. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a cautionary tale of <laughs> utilizing geoengineering, but that is the like that is how the world became like a new ice age. So definitely feel, definitely feels like it's a cautionary tale. I'll say it like that. <laughs> uh, uh, I, for, I forgot that's how it was. Yeah, it was like basically like engineered, and it all went to hell in a handbasket. Although it was interesting because one of the new like p- parts I really liked about uh, the movie was that they almost held Ed Harris, the like guy who created the train up as like a deity they're like he made the train he made the train <laughs> they had like little, little like hand things and whatnot mm-hmm. oh that was actually pretty entertaining but i don't know why it is like it's it's something like that that's so unsettling to me to like watch but i can't turn away it's yeah oh, it makes makes a movie for me but no perfect perfect all right we both just knocked out a number five position well done team Going to number four, what you got, bud? No, no. Since I did five and it just happened to be your five, you got to share your ah. four. Okay, my four. And once again, this is a movie I saw rather recently. Like it was, I want to say it was like 2015. Um, it's definitely a unique flick. I chose The Lobster. Oh, dude, I was going to, I had that on my list. No. Okay, was that your number four? I don't know if it was my number four, I think. I honestly didn't really have this in a particular order, so it was definitely uh, okay. on my list. That so. the best of us. That I don't know what I was going to say next, honestly. I was trying to do some ordering in my head um, before I got to do four. Uh, but yeah, I had the lobster on my list too, but go ahead. Okay, yeah, no, so for me, like the lo- I think you recommended it to me, A, because I forget what we were talking about, but you're like, oh yeah, you ever seen The Lobster? And I was like, no, I've never seen it. And I was traveling uh, for work 
And so I I downloaded it on my, my phone and I was just watching it because I had like a lot of time to kill on this flight. And um, so essentially, for those who haven't seen it, it's about this world that is built up. It's more advanced than our world. But in it, everybody has to have a partner, like a romantic partner. And if you don't, then you have the opportunity to go to, I don't even know if it's like a resort or like a suite or whatever. I think it's the, I think it's the hotel or whatever, or okay, the, the resort. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a hotel mm-hmm. where individuals, it's almost like real life Bumble or Tinder or Hinge, <laughs> where you basically give your preferences and then you're meeting people uh, that are supposed to quote unquote, like kind of meet your preferences but you have to have your, like, I think they called it like their core characteristic or something, be the same as your partners. For example, one guy had a limp and his partner had a limp. There was a woman who constantly has nosebleeds. There's a guy who's nearsighted. So you're trying to basically match up with these people and you're going through, and you have only a select amount of time because if you run out of time, then ahead of when you first arrive, you essentially give an animal. Uh, any animal that you want and if you know time elapses and you don't find a partner you are then turned into that animal and you're hunted <laughs> and if you end up you know catching i believe it's one of the animals or killing them or one no one of the people sorry who are also retreating the people who couldn't find a partner and then just said i'm done with society and you catch them then you get more time at the resort and so there's this one woman who is just like a stud at catching people and she's been there for ever and a half and her her trait is that she's just very very cruel but essentially in it colin farrell is a guy who's starting off pretty much at this hotel resort type place and he's just trying to find a partner uh to settle down with and madness kind of ensues so what was how did you how did you discover it bud because like i said you were the one who recommended it to me um so i was just going through uh yorgos lanthimos films um because i started with uh killing of a sacred deer and then i moved kind of like backwards to the lobster and like dog tooth and then um yeah eventually the favorite so i was just going to cut it through his filmography oh okay okay Oh, geez. Yeah, I forgot that John C. Riley was in this play, too. Essentially, Colin Farrell is the main character. And it's interesting because he comes to the resort with a dog who he explains is his brother, who unfortunately did not find a maiden. Apparently, the choice of dog is a very common one. But Colin Farrell chooses to become a lobster if he fails to find another person. So it begs the question, Charlie, if we lived in that world... What animal would you want to become? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a, maybe a dog, maybe a cat. Who's to say? I literally just say that's the most basic one. And you it say, is oh, basic. You it is basic. But you know what? It's what I would want to be. A lobster sounds miserable. Okay. What if you're caught? Right. Think about it. Think about how lobsters get killed by humans often because we eat them. All right. Yep. Boiled alive. That doesn't sound fun. That's what somebody said in the movie to him. He's like, that was a stupid choice. You're going to get cooked up. (laughs) Although what you can do more humanely is you can put them in the freezer, which puts them in a dormant state. So they're basically out of it. And then you put them in the the old boiler. The old boiler. 
the old blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, can't you but just, yeah. like, kill them first, like, and then boil them? Like... No, apparently, like, if you kill them first, then they, like, start decaying, or, like, it doesn't taste like it should, like, you need to, like, kind of cook them alive, which is it's pretty super yeah. messed up when you say it like that. Pretty messed up. L- little, little gruesome. Maybe maybe we gruesome. should we maybe we should just, like, not eat lobster anymore or something. <laughs> Dude, you know, it's considered, like, the bug of the, uh... The ocean? The ocean, yeah. And it used to be... Like, only given to the prison inmates and only on a slight... Because they were just like, this is so gross. But it got a good rebrand and... Uh, now it's, like, expensive. expensive. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I'm like, can we go back to cheap lobster? But then again, I guess, you know, I'd be eating it and I shouldn't do that because we just said... Look at me. I'm eating a giant bug. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> good avatar shout out, dude. Absolutely. But no, so the movie uh, essentially has this this guy Colin Farrell. I think his name is David in it, and ultimately he decides yes. that he cannot find a person who fits his his needs at this resort. And he just say, also Olivia Coleman's in this too, which I see Olivia Coleman, Rachel Wise, just like so many people. Yeah, John C. Ryan. Yeah, Leah Sadu. Yeah, she, she's the. Uh, the one of the rebels people, mm-hmm. um, but no. So he he leaves, and uh, he ultimately. And also, sorry, before we, we go over to that. Could, okay, I could I could never tell in this movie. So you become an animal. Do you keep your brain or do you start functioning as an animal? Did you ever get um, a sense for? I don't know. I I feel like maybe you do at first, but maybe it's like a slow kind of decline into being more of like an animal but i have no idea it's not really explained but i feel like that kind of adds to a terror in a way oh absolutely <laughs> goodness gracious you start seeing your like cognitive function go down yeah oh good especially since like yeah like it's just it's a really like a lot of his uh the yorgos lanthimos's movies are very very strange um i feel like the favorite is this is most tame movie like in terms of his strangeness and even that's kind of uh an out there flick i'm not mm. gonna lie to you here's a new movie coming out with uh, emma stone again oh i saw it but it's gotten very good reviews they're saying oh i forget what it's called though um i do too she has black hair in it it's called oh, poor I'm things gonna... yes 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 it uh yeah, I... I don't know what it's about. I remember seeing the teaser, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, this looks like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very on brand. It's like a Wes Anderson flick, how you always know it's a Wes Anderson flick. Yep, yep, yep. Although his style, like, his style is definitely, like, very, like, defined, too. Um, but so, like, kind of, like, a contrast from, like, Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah. absolutely. What is this? But, yeah, no, so, sorry. The, um, in the movie... David Colin Farrell leaves and ultimately he goes among the people who are just like we're going to do our own thing and he falls in love with a woman mm-hmm. who is also what nearsighted shortsighted uh, and um yeah Rachel Wise yeah I forget what like what yeah I forgot also this movie is like com- like very darkly comedic at, at the oh like, yeah the time. Because, like, I guess the society, like, really bans, like, any kind of, like, sexual behavior. Because I think it's supposed to be, like, I think the idea is that it's a very, like, Puritan kind of society. And that's, like, why they make you kind of 
marry within like 45 days or get transformed into an animal is because they don't want sexual deviancy at all. It's like heavily banned, and that's like why there's like a rebellion. So um, that's kind of a lot of where the the comedy comes from is like how like Rachel Wise and um, Colin uh, Farrell's characters are um, just like just like inner monologues just like just them saying like i want him to take like bend me over and like (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and it's like then she's like and if that happens then it's like the red death like the red kiss or something and she's Mm -hmm. like oh god i don't want to know what that is it's like because i think they not cut off your tongue if you were found like kissing someone but it was very gruesome so uh yeah, there were some, and then even John C. Riley, who was with Colin Farrell at the hotel, he was um, kind of taking care of his own needs. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah. and they put his hand in like a griddle <laughs> and just like burned it. I was like, oh jeez, dude, it was <laughs> very dark, very very dark. Uh but honestly, it's like I said, it's one of those movies that are so odd. But you can't turn away. So no, you had, had to throw it on my list. No, it's no, it's it it's really it is really good, and it is extremely weird. Um, like all, pretty much everyone's performances are very like their delivery, not necessarily like their characters are all very like monotone. Like I don't, everybody yep. kind of just doesn't have like these personalities, and everybody's very awkward with each other. It's because of like. It's just the way that their society is like. It's a really fascinating kind of like a sociological like look into like what society would look like if it was this kind of extreme form of Puritan, like you know, like no sexual uh, anything, not even kissing or anything like that. And it's it's just like there's just charisma is gone basically. Yep. Yep. Um, Because like every character is just so like has absolutely no riz. Like nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> They're riz free, dude. <laughs> uh, and then I think yeah, I think they assign kids to like fan, like couples, and even then it's just like super awkward. It's like, it oh, is. We have a child. It is. Yes. It also didn't like the hotel itself, but it was like they banned masturbation, but like sexual stimulation by the hotel maid was mandatory or something. Yes. And so, and, and yeah. he was like, "That's the worst. Please don't. Please don't." And then, like, yeah, basically, oh my god, my parents aren't listening to this. <laughs> you basically get them up to the point right before, and then you stop. <laughs> and uh, and then he's like, "Oh, that sucks. It's terrible." And that's why they're always like, "Please." Go. I think it was supposed to be like encouragement to find your your mate. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, kind of an out there movie. But yep. um yep. still entertaining. Entertaining. A unique idea. Yeah, and no, I, I mean that. I recommend it. I recommend it, but it's uh, Oh yeah, okay. I recommend it too. I, I recommend, recommend it, too. it, I recommend it. So maybe take like a shot or two before <laughs> and like really think about who you're watching this with. That's, um, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, you know. <laughs> think about that movie. first. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh and with that, do we segue into pick number our next pick? It doesn't have to be your, your number three. It can be any pick you want. But okay, uh, I'm trying to think of what was on my list again. So yeah. um, 
I, I had I a movie on my list, but I'm like, is I don't really think it's dystopian. It kind of falls more into like post-apocalyptic. Um, I know what you What was I going to say? No, no, you say it. You say it. I was going to say Mad Max, but... Mad Max. Dude, okay, that was on my list, too. And it's not on my list now, because I was talking to a buddy yesterday, and I was like, okay, do you consider Mad Max uh, dystopian or, like, apocalyptic? He's like, I'd probably go apocalyptic. And I was like, you're kidding me, but... Because, like, I was thinking then about apocalyptic movies, and I was like, ah, I guess it, it, I'd lump yeah, it in Yeah, definitely leans more towards, like, post-apocalyptic rather than, like, dystopian. Mostly because, like, I feel like we don't get enough of, like, the society in which it, like, functions yes, in. So, yes. like, it's, it's more about, like, the action and, like, this post-apocalyptic kind of world. All we really know is that there's wars over water. And, like, that's basically yep. that's basically it. Uh, we don't and really oil. have too much of a... And, like, you know, women are maybe, you know... And at least Fury Road, it, it was like that, where... Uh, you know, like the the warlord or whatever was like keeping women to like pump baby, babies. Out. Yeah, a little messed up, Joe. Joe, <laughs> which is this is kind of crazy about Mad Max. For me, I've seen the very first one with Mel Gibson, and then I saw Fury Road. So I have no idea what happens in between. I've never seen Thunderdome or anything like yeah, that. I haven't seen the Thunderdome. See, and but you saw the first one. I've not seen the first one. I've only really seen Fury uh, Road. So. Um, okay, dude, imagine going from, like, a mild version of today's society, and then the next one is, is Mad Max Fury Road. Like, <laughs> there was a jump. I was not expecting that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 good. It's very entertaining. I, I give it to you. I will allow it to enter the conversation, even though it might lean apocalyptic. Uh, well, I wasn't going to use it, but I was thinking oh, okay. about it. I, I was, uh, okay. was going to probably... Say the Matrix next. Okay, Matrix classic. Did you watch the new one by any chance? No, I did not. Nor did I. <laughs> Nor did I. I'm also only really going to focus on the first one, uh, as okay. I don't have. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen these movies in a long time, but I remember watching the second and third Matrix movies. And I was just like, wasn't as impressed as the first one. Um, mm. I think the first one is obviously like up and away bet the best of the of the of the Matrix movies. And I haven't seen the most recent one, so I have no comment. Okay, on that. yeah, Resurrection. Yeah, but okay. So when did you first? Because, dude, The Matrix was out when we were in, like, first or second grade. When yeah. did you first watch The First Matrix? truly watch it? Like, the mm. um, ninth grade, I think, when I first, like, truly, like, actually watched it. Rather than just, like, it being on at a friend's house during a sleepover and being, like, uh, what's going on when I was, like, seven years old. I, like, truly sat down to actually watch it, like, ninth grade of height. Like, uh, yeah. In high school. That is the exact same year <laughs> that I watched it for the first time like that too. <laughs> ah, okay. So it's a it's kind of like a historical landmark kind of film in that people yeah. always reference it. You got red pill versus blue pill. I feel like people are always saying, especially because in the worst way, it's are, used in a really bad way now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took the red. I've been, what is it? Red pilled? Is that the like verb? Yes, the being red pilled is the verb for the terminally online who know what that means. Yes. Uh, yes. If you're if you're just like somebody who 
doesn't spend all their time online. You're not going to know what that means, and you are better for it. <laughs> we will not reveal what it means on the What You Got podcast. <laughs> we are not giving your time to that. Um, but, which is uh, hilarious no, dude. and ironic because these people completely misinterpreted what The Matrix was about, but that's mm. a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awake now. But okay, if it was up to you, thinking about the context of The Matrix, yeah. taking the red pill, which allows you to essentially get out of The Matrix, or are you taking the blue pill and staying within? Um, I, God, I can't believe it. I would probably, out of sheer curiosity, get out of the Matrix. Ooh. I'd be like, okay. you're telling me this is a simulation? Okay. Yeah. Sure, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> How do I know you're not just slipping me a drug? I was gonna say, is this, is this LSD? Is this, uh, that was the what, weirdest what trip this? I've ever been on. I woke up and suddenly I was in like a dystopian future, and like yes. Also, wait, remind me. They essentially need humans to like pump, like to keep it going, or they need them for uh, some purpose. Okay, so now I'm gonna go look at the plot. Um, yes, run it back because. That was like a young Keanu Reeves. And even though the man doesn't really like age. He really you don't doesn't. Have to note. It's pretty fucking um, impressive. I'm trying to read this stinking. It says like a simulated reality that intelligent machines to distract humans while using their bodies as an energy source. Okay. Okay, that's right. Okay, yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. So I guess the machines have taken over, much like Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. This is Connor. <laughs> With weapons. Uh, Big ones. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. We got we to have a day for, for Arnold. Or at least a Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> for a good old Arnold. Exactly. Uh, and uh, what's that other movie that he's in? Um, Rambo. Is that him? <laughs> no, that was Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Never mind. But they're in the Expendables together, I think. I've yeah. never seen those yeah. movies. I've seen the first. Not <laughs> Isn't there like three? There are three, dude. And they're making another one. Oh, cool. Uh, Expendables 4. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Like the well, at this point in time, we're just going to literally be like kind of an elderly group. It's like in the nursing home. Being yeah, aren't these people like 60 already? Like They are up there. I will not lie to you. Oh, they have Jason Statham and he's pretty young still. Is he? Ish. Is Jason Statham still young? I threw an ish in there. Right? <laughs> like Jason Statham, how old are you? 56. Ooh, good for him, dude. Golly. And an Arnold, Arnold is 76. Oh, yeah, you can, I mean, yeah, he's been around for a minute. Let's all be real. Homeboy was pumping iron. I don't even know if I've ever really even seen a movie with Sylvester Stallone in it. you never seen Rocky? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> you never seen Creed? Have I seen Rambo? Creed? I think I've seen yes. Creed, actually, so I take that back. I think I watched it. On TV once. Same with Rocky, honestly. But only the okay, first yeah, one. Okay, yeah, on TV. Uh, yeah. I think that's it. Okay, so I guess I have. Honestly, he's been in a lot of Rockies. 
a lot of experience. Yeah, and look, I like googled Sylvester Rambos. Stallone, who is seventy-seven. Um, Good for him, dude. Golly. I said sixty. That, that's being mean to everyone who's sixty out there. Um, what? I mean, just like I don't know, because he's seventy-seven. He's almost eighty. Can't believe he looks like that at seventy-seven. Yeah, he's a dude. Is still pretty cut up. Goodness gracious! And apparently, he still does his own stunts. That's absurd. Also, he was in Spy Kids 3. He was born in Hell's Kitchen, New York. He is also Judge Dredd, too, by the way. He's in Spy Kids 3? Oh. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, he is the villain. Okay, so I guess I have seen (laughs) his movies. Um, But I don't watch a lot of of his stuff, okay? (laughs) Let's just say that. He's... um, Yeah, he is. He does a lot yeah, of like is. you know fighting Action movies. Flicks. I don't get it. <laughs> oh, you hurt me with that. I love how we started out. We were like Matrix, and we've gone. This yeah. So, anyways, so how did we get here? Um, I don't even remember. I don't remember how we got here. Oh, because I said uh, the machines have taken over like the Terminator, and we went on a whole oh, okay. yeah, tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. But, uh, okay, so we're starting. We were just focusing on one. I guess for you, what is the most, like, defining scene from that movie? Um, ooh, what is that? I mean, honestly, the any of the bullet time scenes, I think, are pretty defining. Because that's, like, one of the first times that bullet time... I mean, that's literally when it was invented, like, the, 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 the technology the way that you shoot bullet time was done. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, but then also like a lot of just like memorable moments that really stand out to me is like when he decides to take which pill, you know, um, he's there with mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne. He's offering him like, Hilarious. do you take the red pill or the blue pill? And then, you know, yep. um, that's a very like iconic moment in the matrix for me. Um, yeah. And then just like, you know, because, like, at that point, you don't really know what's going to happen. You know, you're kind of at the edge of your mm. seat. Like, what is going on? Like, and he, like, wakes up and, like, you realize the world that he really is living in. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. And you just kind of, like, start questioning everything in a way. Yeah. And crazy thing is, originally, it wasn't supposed to be Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. It was supposed to be Will Smith and Val Kilmer. <laughs> really? Was yeah. Will Smith supposed to be uh, Neo? He was. Oh and he turned it down to do the movie Wild Wild West. I haven't even heard of that movie, so did that pan out, Will? I think he regrets. Like, that's his number, <laughs> one of his number one regrets <laughs> for his like, <laughs> filmmaking like, career. I'm sure Keanu Reeves was pretty happy about it. Oh, absolutely. That's like one of the most like defining roles he's played. Although I do love him in the movie The Replacements. That was a great flick. That was a great John play. Wick. There's like five of oh, those I movies and I haven't Wick. seen one. Me neither. Me neither. I heard the first one is very I mean, I've heard all like good entertaining, but like, there's just like yeah. action movies, right? Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. Which I think is like yeah, you know, it's just crazy action. You know, it's like weird. I'm not like huge about action movies. I was noticing this. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like Mad Max Fury Road, which is an action movie. Yes. So. 
you know, you like there's tasteful that. action. I like tasteful action. Tasteful action, tasteful action. I like okay, well, well I know, done action movies. Like Mad Max. There you go. Yeah, with like a pl- not just like punching and kicking. I like a little plot action. Like yeah. make me understand why they're punching and kicking. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. And he did to drive the plot forward. Yeah, to drive to, just a little bit. Just give me a little nudge. I don't need too much. Like, and like Mad Max doesn't even have that crazy of a plot. It's just like it is just beautifully choreographed. That's why I like it. Yup. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, like I said, there's something unsettling about it because there's a lot that's explained and a lot that isn't. And it's just weird things that you're looking at, like the dude who's dressed like who goes blind because mm-hmm. they shoot the light out. And he's like, I am justice. I am the scale. Like, bro, what is happening? Like, you feel like you're having a fever dream, but it's just the, the movie. Um, uh, so wait, what are your thoughts on like the Matrix? Like, what are like the more iconic moments to you? Okay, when you were saying bullet time, I'm pretty sure I had this right. But it's basically when they shoot the bullets and you're just following them. It's like when... Um, it's like kind of like slow motion and ah, like, okay. you know, yep. yeah, yeah. Then yes, that was, so I was in between the red pill, blue pill scene and the scene where Neo literally, they shoot him and you're like, oh snap, he's done. But then he like, doesn't he, he stops the bullets and he like pops out and you see like the whole scene kind of warp around him. And then that's when, um, I forget what the name of the main like guy who's always like Mr. Anderson is, but uh, Mr. he starts lighting them up. Isn't it Mr. Smith? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Neo starts lighting them up, and they're like, "He was moving like, like one of them." That, and then it's like he could be a superhero. I feel, I feel you totally on kind of the, uh, not to say decline, but the other two didn't quite live up to the standards of the first. But still, mm. I think it's a it's a fantastic film just to watch, and I love the way it's shot, like the kind of dark noir ish nature of it. So. It's not on my list, but I I definitely I regard it highly. I definitely regard it highly. And like like, what do you think are like some are more like the themes of like the Matrix? Because you know, interestingly enough, I don't think that um, the Matrix is kind of like a societal criticism of like some a lot of like popular dystopians tend to kind of lean into is like. A lot of dystopian science, sci-fi, or like dystopian films in general, kind of like lean into more of like a sociological criticisms of you know, w- you know, possible realities that society kind of goes towards. But I felt like The Matrix, um, a lot of its kind of its commentary never really uh, drew upon the situation that the world was kind of in. Like it was hmm. The Matrix was like. I mean, let's be honest. The Matrix was almost like it, it is very trans, right? Like at the very end of the oh, day, yeah. like the themes are really like laid in like transgenderism because, you know, obviously the Wachowskis came out as transgender women later on. And like a lot of people kind of like look back at that, you know, how those movies kind of, you know, portrayed those themes. Um, but like also the Matrix. Uh, yeah, I mean. Like, do you think that there is kind of, like, a sociological view that The Matrix was trying to, like, I don't know, try to get across? For me, because I think about the moment where Neo is going to the Oracle, Mm. and you see, like, the little kid who apparently was one of the finalists to play Harry Potter, the one who's talking about the spoon. 
and he's like just bending it and it's all these kids that could be the one and he's like you know how are you doing that and he's like i'm not bending the spoon i'm bending like myself and then they go on to the oracle tells him that he's not the one basically but that lawrence fishburne needs him and so he basically has to kind of like he has the opportunity to step up knowing that he'll like basically die but in doing that in kind of going to this end that he knows is coming for him that he can't escape he's able to overcome that and ultimately be the one i feel like it's weird that i'm saying the word the one so much but um it's just kind of a matter of stepping outside of your own the limitations you set for yourself and then rising to the occasion and it's like not letting anybody or anything any preconceived notions dictate your path forward which now that i'm saying it like kind of like works for the wachowski sisters because like I'm sure they were told they had to be one way and ultimately now they're like, we can step out of the mold of that and, and do it our way. But uh, that's just kind of what I always thought of when it could, because it always seems like Neo is not supposed to be able to do X, Y, or Z. Like in the second one, he can save Trinity, but he's like, but he'll like sacrifice, like he'll ultimately cause the matrix to, I think fall apart. Something crazy. And he, he manages to do, but it's like, it's always him overcoming the impossible. So I did. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, definitely kind of like leans into um just like transformation from like i think there's even a quote from lily wachowski who said that like uh that the movie was all about the desire for transformation but it was coming from a closeted point of view like you know mm. that, that she did not know how to present my transness was in the background of my brain um when they were writing it and like that it was intended as an allegory for gender transition, but that the corporate world wasn't ready when they were writing it. Oh, so, um, wow. so like, I do think you are kind of hitting the, the, you know, nail on the head about like his overcoming, like these kind of odds, like maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think also another thing in their like original script, they once said that, um, switch, uh, was supposed to, it was a woman in the matrix and a man in the real world, but they eventually, um, ditched that concept so like oh wow yeah but uh yeah so i I mean i think it is supposed to kind of like it it leans more towards that um like you know desire for transformation desire for like change and overcoming like things like that i think that's like what the matrix leans more into more than anything else uh there's definitely probably other themes you could probably think about i'm sure if i give it another watch um there you know would be stuff i you know pick up on uh but you know like i don't think it was really trying to say like look at what humans or people did to cause the world to be this way it just was like this is a dystopian society to kind of like drive a vehicle for like this um you know transform like this like you know this trans desire for transformation and you know like and that's the way that they told their story Okay, yeah, yeah, I like it, I like it, I like it. Mm-hmm. Dang, Matrix is a little deeper than I gave it credit for, all right. It is a little, yeah, I mean, it's not just like your action movie. I mean, it is an action <laughs> movie at the end of the day, but I do think it's kind of interesting of the, all the movies that we were talking about. It's like one of the few that isn't like strictly having a like social commentary on like society and like, you know, weight and like how that causes the dystopian future, but um, something a little bit more kind of internalized 
No, definitely. And highly based in science fiction as well. They're like, yeah. The robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, that's cool. That's cool. All right, Bomber. What's oh, next All on right. your list? I know you've never seen this one, so I'm going to go spoiler free. But okay. I just want to recommend for everybody, the adults, I should say. No, my number three position is Akira, the animated. Oh, flick. yes. Yes, yes. So essentially, this is for your background. This is a story about two boys that are teenagers in Neo Tokyo, so not Tokyo. And essentially, what has happened, it's crazy too, because they predicted the uh, 2020 Olympics being in Tokyo, although I guess it was technically 2021. <laughs> But um, essentially, they're living in this world that's recovered from this Akira event in which this like giant like nuclear explosion went off. And mm-hmm. so they had to rebuild and Tokyo is just doing its thing. And there's kind of some tension around the world. And I think it was largely, I don't know if it preceded Blade Runner or Blade Runner preceded it, but very, very similar in terms of just the build of the world. And so essentially, it's about this kid named Canada. Who, or Canada, depending on what, what you're listening to in terms of mm-hmm. dub or sub. Um, and he's the leader of this like biker gang, the Capsules. And they go up against this gang sometimes called the Clowns. And so while they're out riding one night, the Clowns come through. And one of his, his friends, Tetsuo, gets into an accident. But he gets into an accident because he's riding along. And he comes across this like little kid who looks like an old man. And the kid uses these psychic powers to knock him off of his uh, bike. And so the government comes in, they get the kid, they get him, they take him in, and they had to like run some tests. And essentially the interaction with that kid, I think also he gets exposed to some pills, start changing him, and he starts realizing that he has some of these um, like psychokinetic powers. Um, and all, while all that's going on, Canada's just kind of out in the world doing his thing, and there's a coup going on. They're trying to like dis- displace the government, uh, kind of institute there's a couple people they want to institute either a a military state or b there's another guy he's trying to step up and so it's a lot of like socio-political discourse combined with the fact that while all this is going on this kid tetsuo was starting to realize that he has a crazy amount of power and it starts going to his head and he starts tearing things up so there's so much going on and it sounds super crazy i i know it does <laughs> but it's very good very well animated um, and it kind of goes over a, a lot of things, like you're talking about just like um, political issues, goes over classes, um, has obviously some sci-fi elements. So you're seeing some like uh, some of that. But uh, high, it's considered one of the greatest. Uh, uh, I've heard and I've been wanting to watch it. And it does. It did come out after the original Blade Runner. But it okay, like, OK, you know, yeah, I think novel. this. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's. Yeah, based so it's graphic- based off of a graphic novel. Yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe maybe the graphic novel came out first. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, the uh, but Akira, from what I understand, much like Blade Runner, is kind of like a cyberpunk subgenre of um, science fiction and like dystopian, you know, future, which is you know really cool. I uh love that subgenre there's not enough of it out there um not enough of it like in a very good kind of like uh, medium uh, unfortunately um i think it's a, a hard genre to get right because so much of it requires like you to nail like the atmosphere um mm-hmm. well and i think a lot of people 
it, it can miss it. It's easy to miss. Like, I certainly wouldn't be able to, like, hit it, I don't think. There was a, a game that came out a couple of years ago that was based off of... It's called Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I think there was a criticism of that game, I think, is that it's often a little too bright, like, atmospherically. Like, it just kind of feels like you're just set in, like, a future, but it doesn't really play into, like, these these darker kind of uh, imagery that you would get from things like Akira ghost in the shell, like ghost in the mm. shell is separate from Akira, right? Or yeah. Yeah. Separate, separate. Okay. And like blade runner, which have like these kind of like, you know, darker dystopian cities and like neon lights everywhere where like cyberpunk was like sunny outside. It's like totally fine guys. Um, and like, <laughs> it didn't really have like that aesthetic that, I love so much about Blade Runner um, and like mm. the cyberpunk genre in general. So, but yeah, I mean, it sounds really cool, and I do uh, want to. I've been it's been on my bucket list for a long time, just because I like the genre so much. So, maybe we'll get to it. Yeah, get to it, get to it, and let me know what you think <laughs> when you do. I maybe we're gonna have an episode about Akira. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, totally, totally, totally. Because the graphic novel, and I would recommend if you were gonna read the graphic novel. Read it after you watch the movie, because I think that's probably the better Okay, one. okay. Yeah, because they're different. So wait, is like, there like an animated characters. Ghost in the Shell movie as well? Is that like... I think there is. It's a series, and I believe there's an animated movie as well. Okay. Yeah, not sure. Yeah. I thought I thought Ghost in the Shell with like Scarlett Johansson was based off Akira. No, it was based off of the Ghost in the Shell. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. Um, alrighty. Well, this episode's already pretty long, so I was gonna oh just God. jump to the number one thing I had on my list. Go for it. And I I'm think sure it's my number two, Blade Runner. Yep, I knew it. That was my number two. Yep. Yeah, knock it out. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, what is there to say about you know potentially one of the most iconic science fiction films, you know, maybe ever. And it is kind of more of a cult classic, you know. I'm sure the people who listen to this have seen uh, Blade Runner, but you know, I feel like when I ask just like some friends of mine if they've ever seen Blade Runner, I feel like it's a usually they haven't kind of thing, you know. Ah, uh, okay. So yep, like yep. you know, I mean, but these see sometimes these are people who like aren't like big movie watchers. Like usually people who like watch a lot of movies, and like I think a lot of people in New York. Um, that I talked to have seen Blade Runner, but like they're definitely like people from like my high school who who like I don't think have. Um, but I don't know. I you know it's hard to say like oh most iconic science fiction movie of all time when like it came out around the same time Star Wars did. So um, <laughs> with Harrison Ford, um, I was gonna say that exact same thing. But yeah, I mean like what's not to say about Blade Runner? I love everything about uh, this. Uh, this movie, this one, like the original Blade Runner from 1982 and uh, Blade Runner 2049 um, with uh, Ryan Gosling came out in 2017, 18, 17. Yeah. Um, I just like just the, the world that was created, you know, that was came out of, you know, Philip K. Dick's novel um, of like the, uh, uh, the city setting, the, the the you know the cramped corridors, the wet, overcrowded cities, 
of just like the neon lights it always seeming like it's just dark outside it kind of felt like it was a noir film that just happened to take place in like this 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 world that like is just depressing in a way and you have like replicants who are basically you know just really advanced ai like general ai that can pass off as humans and you have a cop you know uh decker who is uh you know in charge of basically executing them and they call them blade runners and it's just is just such a good story about like what is it that gives like it's like a story like that really kind of asks the question like what really is life um and Oh, it's just ah, can't get enough of the the Blade Runner films. Dude, one of the most haunting lines when the main villain replicant, who's essentially they're they're given four years to like live. That's the like length of their mm-hmm. lifespan, and he's just trying to get more time. And yeah. so he goes to his quote unquote father, the man who created them, and he's like, "You have to basically allow us to live longer." And he, oh, and I mean, this is not like the first time this has been said, but he said the candle that burns twice as bright burns twice as fast. Mm-hmm. And to him, it was something so simple because it was just like, it's not directly affecting him. And he was just kind of looking at the glory of his creation. Yeah. Before his creation, it's like, that's, that's my base level. That's my normal. Like, yeah, I want to experience this. Like, and mm-hmm. compared to you, I'm something superior, but to me, I have no frame of reference. So why can't I have the same opportunities that you, so I always, always, and then obviously like the final monologue from the, uh, the villain as well. There is just fantastic. Oh dude. Yeah. Like tears in the rain. Can't, can't yes! beat that. Uh, I have good. seen I think he like came up with, that. he came up with it. I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I don't know which party came up with it, but he came up with the Tears in the Rain line, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I've seen things you people would not believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It, like, haunting, but uh, it just it, I love movies that you walk away from and you're still kind of thinking about them afterwards and how they impact your life and it mm-hmm. makes you kind of take everything on with a new perspective mm-hmm. even if it's only briefly then it's that means that it was impactful so you gotta that's the thing i think is the biggest takeaway takeaway from for me from blade runner it was just kind of that nature or human nature slash mortality that question oh absolutely absolutely yeah. and i think um as we were saying before how like some dystopian movies like tend to kind of have like societal uh like criticisms i think that blade runner almost doesn't really explicitly kind of criticize society but it very much visually shows kind of what you know society and like these corporations kind of have done in like their place in the world like ultimately the the uh like what makes blade runner like so interesting is just like how it kind of portrays like society when like you have uh the creator of these replicants is clearly like almost portrayed as like a god and even in like blade runner 2049 like jared leto's character quite literally has a god complex where he like he's quoting like these like almost like biblical-esque verses the entire time um and uh so like you can kind of just see like the madness almost in a sense that is like kind of created in this world and like just the visual setting is just 
I think one of my, like the biggest takeaways from these kind of movies to me, all on top of like yes, life and more more mortality, has always been a huge theme in both Blade Runner films. Yep, yep. I, I, I want to watch them again now. I do kind of want to watch them again. <laughs> They're so good. I love 2049. Jeez. I think I even like it a little bit too. more than the the original. Um, Hot take. Although, dude, I mean, it's they're similar films, but kind of different in the, I guess, the means by which they're trying to drive the message. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of like a, I mean, there's a time element to both of them, but I felt like the time element to the second one was a little bit more impactful because it was like him going about trying to figure out if he's the child and then you bring in uh Deckard and you find him and then it's oh, just but it, it also still ponders like life and death right because like yep. another like as mentioned earlier like you know the entire point of the original Blade Runner was like questioning what really is life you know because it it asks a lot of like the ethical questions regarding like oh is it right to kind of take out these replicants and stuff like they don't really have that long to live and they just simply want to live they want to prolong their life they're looking for that's like their quest in that movie um and deckard's there to just kind of end it no questions asked he's you know he's just like you know he's just there to, he's the executioner at the end of the day they don't get a trial they're not really treated as like people like living beings and but like in the sequel it flips it on that head even further by showing they're capable of giving life so like yes yeah that was that was a crazy twist yeah goodness gracious Mm -hmm. and then i was wait you said something about the first oh what did you just say like two seconds ago um their quest is to like Oh, this is what I was gonna say. Aren't they used as slave labor? Like, yes, on, they are like... used as slave labor, um, uh... and that's like an, that's like another big thing. And like, you can kind of even get that like context in twenty forty nine. Like, K is treated like crap by everyone, even in his own like department, and he's also used to hunt down his own kind. So yeah, it's just like it's, it's kind of like a really dark reality. Like when you kind of think about the situation that um, these replicants are kind of like put in. And I guess they can't really. I mean, they have to be able to feel because why else would they want to like live? So it's yeah. also like, are they feeling, or is that just is it feeling because they're really feeling? Or are they feeling because they're programmed to feel? Are they like so manipulated that like that too. because they have those like tests that they put like Ryan Gosling through? And, like, you know, that his, like, baseline is way off because he's going through a lot of, like, emotional turmoil. So, clearly, they're, like, almost human in that sense. And, like, pretty much every replicant that you come across in both films has such a human element to that, like, you just wouldn't think uh, that they're um, replicants. And, you know, there's also always that question, is Deckard a replicant? Because, you know, you, you're almost, like, taught within the context of the film that, like replicants are like you know you you're questioned if they're if they are, are human you question the morality of like um retiring them and like but then you start like you go back and think well is deckard one because there's like i think there's certain cuts of the film that lean more towards it and whatnot i believe harrison ford has said that deckard isn't but ridley scott says he is and it's just like a really interesting um uh whatever it's called um kind of like argument to every for everybody out there uh mm. but on whether or not they are 
And also, like, I and think it brings that. up the question again, and sorry to cut you off the in the oh, sequel, because Rachel is the one who gives birth, but, like, is it half human, half replicant? Or is it because Deckard is also a replicant, so that's why they have, like, this beacon of hope kind of thing. So, And also, on top of that, knowing in 2049 that they sent a replicant to get replicants. Mm-hmm. I mean, are they sending a human to get replicants yeah. or are they sending a replicant in the original to get replicants? So, yeah, yeah definitely a lot to think about there. Indeed. Goodness, goodness. All right, I'm not going to make this one long because we kind of talked about it, I guess, last time or mm-hmm. we talked about it in a, a previous podcast episode. But my number one uh, dystopian uh, film is A Clockwork Orange. Oh, just, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I just. I mean, that was also super. on my list. It was number okay. <laughs> it was gonna be number two, but I just skipped over it. <laughs> Let's go. No, you're so good. You're so good. Probably. I mean, we touched on this before, but just and it's mind you, been banned in a number of countries. Oh yes. Very graphic. Very uh, disturbing. Graphic. Very very graphic. <laughs> yeah, disturbing. That's a good word for it. But there's something about. It. I mean, they live in this world that has the ability to try and, I guess, rewrite a person's personality. Such that the main character, Alex, who has this natural inclination towards violence, is subjected to this experimental procedure in which he is exposed to a series of violent films and images. And gradually he is made to be sick in the presence of either those or thoughts of that. So he can't even act out in that certain way. And just A, the the acting in that, B, the Stanley Kubrick direction. There was a scene in which Alex and his droogs, who's what he calls his friends, they're um, getting combative with each other. And so Alex needs to assert himself as the, the alpha. And so he unsheaths like a knife in his walking cane, cuts one, and just starts like going off on him. And it, it's all done in slow motion. If it was to be done in actual speed, I think it would have taken like two or three seconds. But just the fact that they made that you know, decision to go in slow-mo makes it so much more a iconic B it's like, you really see more of the turmoil. So just, there's so many layers to this and you, you feel bad for him, but you don't feel bad for him because he's a good dude, but he's not a good dude. He's like a terrible, <laughs> terrible human being. So, um, it's, it's such a, I was gonna say a fun experience as a viewer. I'd say if you're a movie person and you can kind of appreciate what's being done, not necessarily what's occurring directly on your screen, then I think you'll you'll really like it. And yeah, what were your thoughts there, bud? Because I know it was your number two. Um, I just really like its commentary, kind of on like, uh, I don't know. I I guess like it's kind of it's it's like a commentary on like psychiatry, I think, and um, uh, juvenile delinquency. I, I I just it's a good film. I mean, overall, I think it just really shows. It's been a really long time since I've seen this this movie. Um, so. Change your life and get on that, buddy. <laughs> I know. I mean, I saw it in college, hilariously enough. Uh, but I was also during a time when, uh, like, when I last saw it, I was in college. Um, it was, like, also during a time where we were just going through, like, every Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> Kubrick movie. Ah, so, nice. uh, you know, just watching them all and... Um, yeah but like it's just i think it it was really a kind of a brutal or rather a like a a portrayal like a dystopian portrayal in the sense of like you know the the brutal youth culture 
um, where like modern science and you know psychology are kind of used as like you know countermeasures into preventing the ultra violent kind of individuals and so it's like i think it like i guess there must have been something going on in britain that i wasn't aware of but because i feel like it's almost like a commentary <laughs> on like a time at least um and that uh i don't know i'm kind of losing my train of thought here but yeah, I just, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's very violent and it's very, very disturbing, um, very graphic. So, yes, all of that, all of that. <laughs> all the above. Um, we, exactly, exactly. But, uh, I mean, I'd recommend the film. I'd say just buckle up because there are some scenes that are quite difficult to watch, but, uh, I agree. Yeah, outside of that, that's uh makes me feel like a weird like very weird that I made that my number one, but I just uh <laughs> I would watch it again. Um it's really it's a tough watch. It is a tough watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um definitely. I think it was like wasn't it rated like N C seventeen or something? Something like I think yeah, something like that. Um but this movie also touches on morality uh, as well. Uh, that's like a big mm. theme. Like, psychology is also a huge theme because, I mean, like, they do some crazy things to Alex. Um, like, the, I'm pretty sure, like, the British government is the one who's doing it. Uh, yes, yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, I think even Stanley Kubrick said it was, like, a running lecture on free will, so... <laughs> okay that makes sense that makes sense um and that ending is haunting so yeah yeah um it was it was yeah i mean give it a whirl i guess one yeah, day give it a whirl, give it a whirl. okay this was a longer episode we're almost at like 90 yeah, 90, 90 minutes <laughs> ah love we were in it we were in it um yeah so is there anything else you need to add, Palmer, before we wrap this up? Stay hydrated, people. Yeah, stay oh. hydrated. You know, get your get your and, uh, get your water yeah. flasks. Get your water, and uh, hope everybody's having a good October. Be safe out there, people. Yeah. Happy harvest. Happy harvest. Have have a good harvest uh, Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been the What You Got podcast, where your host Charlie Bud joined with me, as always, is the wonderful Jordan Palmer. Be sure to get, uh, be sure to listen to our episodes every Monday evening for wherever you listen to your podcasts. Drop a follow so you always know when a new episode drops. Hit us up on social media, or you can let them know where they can follow us. And you can follow us on Twitter at What You Got Cast, which is spelled W H A T C H A, or on Instagram at What You Got Podcast, which is spelled the same way. And until next week, where we, again, don't have a topic picked out yet. But, uh, you know, we got a couple of movies coming out. We're getting into that season. I am really looking forward to uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. So, that on the radar. But until next week, see y'all later.